a regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad that you're with me today. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. We've got a lot to talk about on the show here. And I, listen, I do want to start with a personal request, if you don't mind. You know, if you uh, watch this program on a regular basis, or if you follow me on Twitter, at Cab Edwards, uh, you know that the reason for this uh, glorious long beard of mine is that uh, my beloved wife, Miss E, four years ago, diagnosed with lung cancer, and since um, I am follically challenged up top, shaving my head didn't make a lot of sense. She said, you know, grow the beard out in support uh, for me instead. I said, all right. So I've done that. Uh, trimmed it a couple of times. She she actually was uh, cancer-free for about eight months or so, but for the past mm, probably two years, uh, she's been uh, going through chemo on a regular basis. She's got, now two months ago, we got good news. And she got uh, the word that the chemotherapy that she's on is actually shrinking the tumors. That's it's pretty incredible. Uh, tomorrow, she goes in for her first CT scan. Since we got that good news, we are hoping to get more good news. But if you are the praying kind, uh, I would humbly ask that you keep Missy in your prayers tonight, and uh, we get some good results later on in the week. We'll let you know uh, here on Barry Arms Cam and Company. I think Friday we're supposed to find out the results. So fingers crossed, prayers up, and I certainly do appreciate your continued support. Now, on to the uh, news of the day. We are 50 days away from Election Day. And Joe Biden is getting a big boost in the battleground state of Florida, where Michael Bloomberg is uh, airlifting $100 million. Yep, dropping $100 million in Florida alone to help Biden win that battleground state. Now, this, I, we, we, listen, so let, let's talk about what's going on here with this. First of all, remember, Mike Bloomberg spent uh, around a billion dollars of his own money. He's got about $60 billion or so to his name. So, yeah, it's, it, it's a little bit. He, he might have felt it, but uh, he has plenty of money left to spare. He spent a billion dollars when he ran for president, and that billion dollars did not get him the nomination. In fact, it didn't even cause him to win a single primary that I can remember. Now, it's, it's, you know, 2020 has been the longest year in history. Uh, so maybe he did, but I don't think he did. He was still, you know, sort of middle of the pack despite that influx of spending. So does $100 million guarantee that Joe Biden's going to win Florida? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, already about $300 million uh, have, has been spent or has been allocated between both parties to spend in Florida. So if, if you live, by the way, in Florida, get ready, because uh, I have a feeling that 98% of the commercials that you're going to see on television the commercials you're going to hear on radio, the ads that you're going to see as you're scrolling through Facebook, they're all going to be election-related. And it could be that uh, a majority of them are going to be pro-Biden ads. Although, uh, as of right now, Republicans actually have a slight spending advantage uh, in the state of Florida. But, but the, let's go beyond just those numbers. Why is Joe Biden committing, or excuse me, why is Michael Bloomberg committing $100 million uh, to Biden's campaign in Florida. Donald Trump talked about it yesterday. He said, I thought Minnie Mike was through with Democrat politics after spending almost $2 billion and then giving the worst and most inept debate performance in the history of presidential politics. Pocahontas ended his political career on the first question over. Save New York City instead. 
Well, it's not up to uh, Michael Bloomberg to save New York City anymore. No, that, that's that's entrusted to guys like Bill de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo. And we see how well that's going with uh, shootings and homicides at 20-year highs in New York City right now. Why, however, is uh, Michael Bloomberg focusing in on Florida? I mean, look, he's spending a lot of money all over the country. He's dropping at least $10 million to try to flip the Texas State House. In November, he's committed to spending uh, millions of dollars in other states as well, but $100 million in Florida, that, that, that's, that's noteworthy. Uh, and I think the reason for this is simple. The Biden campaign and Democrats are terrified that they're going to lose the state of Florida yet again. There was a poll, I don't know if you remember this, uh, it came out last week. I couldn't even tell you what the poll uh, polling firm was, but the takeaway headline was that uh, among those who responded to this poll in Spanish, two-thirds of them said that they were planning to vote for Donald Trump. Yeah. And that is, again, after four years of the media telling us what a uh, horrible racist Donald Trump is, what an awful guy he is, how could anybody on earth support him? Uh, Two-thirds of those responding to this poll in Spanish say that they're planning on voting for Donald Trump. If you are a Democrat, that is, uh, that, that's increased your pucker factor quite a bit. You have got to be gravely concerned that uh, Joe Biden is in trouble uh, in the state of Florida. And I think you should be gravely concerned about that. So where's this money going to go? According to uh, ABC News, uh, Bloomberg is basically spending this money on television ads, digital ads, uh, blanketing the airwaves over the next 50 days or so. Actually, early voting begins later this month uh, in Florida, which is also important to keep in mind here. Um, what kind of impact might this have? Yeah, listen, it, it's, it's not going to have no impact whatsoever, uh, but I'm convinced that in this election cycle in particular, the typical television ads uh, and the typical media buys are not going to resonate the way that they have in years past. A perfect case in point, again, Michael Bloomberg in his primary race, uh, dropping over a billion dollars. And, you know, look, it, 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 it probably helped, but it didn't get him over the finish line. Certainly didn't help him win a, a huge majority of delegates. And in fact, you know, Bloomberg dropped out of the primary fairly early on after spending more than a billion dollars in his campaign. So if you're a gun owner in Florida and you're concerned about our Bloomberg's just going to try to buy this election for Biden. Um, yeah, that's exactly what he's trying to do. <laughs> but you are not helpless. You are not hopeless. Uh, there are things that you can do to counter the messaging. As, as many television and digital ads uh, promoting Biden will, will be seen by Florida voters, I firmly believe that the one-on-one -on -one conversations that we have with our friends, with our family members, um, that those have far more of an impact than any ad that a voter might see. And in fact, you know, even, even if it's not a friend or a family member, even if it's just that get out the vote effort, that, that retail politics, that face-to-face -face communication, I think that has a far bigger impact uh, on the average voter than seeing a, uh, a Biden ad 50, 60, 80 times. At some point, actually, if you see one of those ads enough, you tune it out. 
You may even get angry <laughs> that you're being inundated with these ads. Now, I was talking with uh, Ed Morrissey from Hot Air last week during our live chat on Friday. And this is something that Ed brought up in terms of battleground states. And in fact, I think we were talking about uh, Minnesota in particular, which a lot of folks may forget. Hillary Clinton won Minnesota in 2016, but she won it very narrowly. Uh, Donald Trump came incredibly close to winning Minnesota. And I think this year, We've even seen a couple of polls showing that uh, Biden is uh, in some trouble in Minnesota and that Trump is running neck and neck. Now, you can also find a couple of polls showing Biden pulling away, but uh, I think Minnesota is another battleground state. And Ed pointed out that the uh, Republican Party this year is doing a million door knocks each week compared to zero door knocks for the Biden campaign. Uh, you know, a, a door knock is exactly what it sounds like. It's volunteers from the campaign going around where they live, knocking on doors, talking to people, handing out campaign literature. That's the type of retail politics that I think really does make a difference. And Democrats have just abandoned it completely this year. They're not doing it. Republicans, on the other hand, I think are doing a better job than they did back in 2016. And you can get involved either with, you know, your local Republican Party, uh, with the Trump campaign itself. But Second Amendment organizations are also doing uh, quite a bit of grassroots outreach as well. Uh, so Second Amendment Foundation uh, just started a program called the Second Amendment First Responders. You can get more information, by the way, if you go to saf.org. Uh, and that is basically their grassroots uh, a, a voter engagement effort. NRA's Political Victory Fund uh, also doing uh, volunteer grassroots coordination wherever you live. So you go to nrapvf.org. You can uh, find out how to volunteer there as well. There are lots of opportunities uh, for gun owners to to make a difference, to not just sit on the couch or not just you know pick up your phone and start tweeting in support of a candidate, but to actually do that retail politics that I think can have a difference. So if you're looking for a way to fight back and push back against Bloomberg's anti-gun billions, that's a really good way to do it. Get involved with a local Second Amendment organization or a national Second Amendment organization, uh, but you can get involved locally where you live uh, and you can have an impact. And listen, I'll tell you this too. 50 days out, I think outside of states like California and New York uh, for Biden and let's say, you know, Oklahoma, uh, Kansas, South Dakota, Mississippi, you know, there, there are those states that we know are going to go red. We know they're going to go blue. But there are more states than you might imagine where this is still very much a toss up. Real clear politics, for instance just moved Virginia from the likely Democrat column to the leans Democrat column. Again, in Virginia, they're moving this towards Donald Trump. Now, they haven't officially declared it a toss-up yet. What's interesting about this is there's been no polling in the state of Virginia since the RNC was held. So I'm not sure where real clear politics is getting this because the polling still shows Biden leading by double digits in Virginia. But clearly they're seeing something that indicates the race is going to be uh, closer uh, in Virginia than what the national polling is, uh, is indicating. I, I can tell you just anecdotally, I, I believe that's true. You know, going back a year in November of 2019, we saw Democrats in Virginia 
with the help of Michael Bloomberg, spending about, uh, what is it, about $11 million, I think, in the state of Virginia last year, targeting about a dozen or so uh, uh, state legislative races. Democrats are able to take complete control of state government in Virginia for the first time since the 1990s. And since then, I, I think they've ticked off a lot of voters, particularly with the uh, gun control measures that they rammed through. Gun owners are wide awake now. Uh, that prompted the Second Amendment sanctuary movement in the state of Virginia. Uh, even now, we are seeing localities like uh, Arlington, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, Falls Church, Virginia, pass these local ordinances banning guns from parks, government buildings, uh, places uh, where, where permanent events are being held. And you've got the counter to that, which are uh, at this point, I think about two dozen communities, maybe a little bit more, uh, that have passed their own resolution saying, no, we're not going to pass these local gun control laws. We saw in local elections earlier this year uh, some pretty surprising results. Stanton, Virginia, which is a college town, Democrats dominate the city council, not anymore. A, a pro-gun majority replaced the anti-gun majority on the Stanton City Council uh, there in local elections. We had several other uh, uh, officials who were running on pro-Second Amendment records who uh, scored some surprise upsets around the state. So gun owners, I think, are um, capable of playing an outsized role in the Virginia elections. And again, I think we're fired up. I think we're motivated. This is anecdotal evidence only. This is not, uh, you know, a, a, a strong sample size. But um Last weekend, not the one that just happened, but week before last, about a week or so ago, I drove from Farmville, Virginia, uh, up north on Highway 15, about an hour, 15 minutes or so, uh, to a little town called Gordonsville, where there's great barbecue, by the way, barbecue exchange. Mwah, magnificent. Anyway, uh, as I was driving up to get some barbecue, I decided to count the campaign signs on the side of the road. This is rural Virginia. I expected that Donald Trump would uh, have more support, more visible support than Joe Biden. I wasn't sure I was expecting what I saw. Uh, I counted 15 Trump signs compared to three signs for Joe Biden. And a lot of the Trump signs were very big. In fact, there was a Farmers for Trump uh, it wasn't even a sign. It was a combine, basically, that it had Farmers for Trump painted on the side of it, and it was, uh, you know, parked in a pasture uh, on the side of the road. Since then, I've seen several more Donald Trump signs pop up. Again, big ones. Um, but I haven't seen any more Biden signs appear. Now, look, a, a 15 to 3, I think, was my final tally. Does that mean that, you know, Donald Trump is going to win rural Virginia by that big a margin? Probably not. I'm sure that there are some quiet Biden supporters out there. I know that there are some quiet Trump supporters, too. But I do think that what we're seeing, at least in rural Virginia and probably in the suburbs, too, is that uh, Donald Trump's messaging uh, is having an impact. And Joe Biden is a very uninspired candidate. Uh, all of the polls have shown that the enthusiasm uh, far higher on the side of Trump voters than on the side of uh, Biden backers. And a lot of those people who are enthusiastic for voting uh, for Joe Biden are not really enthusiastically voting for Biden. They're enthusiastically voting against Donald Trump. And that, I think, also makes a difference. So 50 days out, I think the election is still very much a toss-up. I think these battleground states, the number of them are actually growing, not shrinking right now. And again, no matter where you live in the country, 
uh, there is an opportunity for you to make a difference in the elections in November. And speaking of Joe Biden, Biden is uh, talking up gun control. You know, we had this uh, horrific shooting in Los Angeles over the weekend. Two L.A. County sheriff's deputies ambushed in their car uh, and shot by a suspect who, uh, at this point, is still on the loose. And in the aftermath of that, you had people in South Central L.A. who were cheering. You had a group that actually showed up at the hospital, chanting, I hope they die. The uh, L.A. County Sheriff's Department actually had to tweet out, hey, don't stand in front of the ER when uh, we were trying to transport people. You know, this is a, a life or death situation, and you're impeding the ability for us to, to, to get these officers into surgery. They don't care. Those folks who were standing outside the hospital, they didn't care about that. Well, Joe Biden, less than 24 hours after that shooting happened, decided that he was going to push the idea of gun control. Here's the headline from Fox, and here's the tweet itself. Weapons of war have no place in our communities. We need to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. No mention from Joe Biden about the fact that California, where the shooting took place, has a ban on so-called assault weapons. In fact, they've had multiple bans on so-called assault weapons as they redefine that arbitrary term to encompass and include more and more firearms. They have a ban on, quote-unquote, large-capacity magazines. Any magazine that contains uh, that can hold more than 10 rounds of ammunition is banned to buy in the state of California. Right now, you're not... Well, actually, the law says you're not allowed to possess it, but that part of the law has been put on hold by a federal judge who's declared California's magazine ban to be unconstitutional. Yep, the very same one that Joe Biden wants to put in effect nationwide. Federal judge says in uh, California, no, can't do that without violating people's constitutional rights. No mention of the fact uh, from Joe Biden that the assailant in this case used a handgun. Didn't even use the type of firearm that Joe Biden wants to ban. But Biden used this explicitly to call for more gun control at a time in which more Americans than ever before are picking up a firearm for the very first time. You've got record sales for firearms going back to the month of March, and I think that's going to continue on through the end of the year. The only thing that might drive those numbers down is a lack of supply, not a lack of demand. But Biden says in his own words, well, listen, not in his own words exactly. But this tweet from Biden tells Americans that if elected, Biden is going to go after the most commonly sold rifle in America today. He's going to go after the most commonly owned magazines in the country today. And he will make it a federal crime to continue to possess these commonly owned items. Yeah. Unless, unless you somehow register them with the state under the National Firearms Act, you pay a, a tax for the privilege of maintaining the guns that you already own and the magazines that you already own. I don't even know how, by the way, that's supposed to work when it comes to registering magazines, which are not serialized. I don't even think Biden can explain it, but you know, Biden's never going to be pressed on this. No reporter is actually going to ask Joe Biden, hey, uh, Joe, all right, so I've been reading your gun control platform on your campaign website. I just have a question. I know you say you want, you know, the 15, at this point now, closer to 20 million 
modern sporting rifles. I know, I know you want to ban them. I know you want people to either turn them in and you'll give them a little bit of cash or you say they got to register them with the federal government under the National Firearms Act. We could talk about, you know, how you think that would go and how many people would actually uh, oblige. But, 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 but the magazines, how are people supposed to register a magazine under the National Firearms Act? How do they even do that? No reporter will ask that question. A, very few reporters actually know the problem with Joe Biden's statement. So they just hear Joe Biden say, well, you've got to register your magazine. Well, okay, that sounds like a good idea. They don't know because they're not gun owners themselves. They don't think about these issues. They don't really investigate these issues, even when they're supposed to be covering these issues. And at the end of the day, far too many of these reporters, they like that idea. They don't want to think too critically about it. They don't want to press Joe Biden or the Biden campaign or Kamala Harris. They don't want to, they don't, they don't want to do that because they're allies. They're on board, right? You are not on board with that. I know that I'm not on board with that. And it would be nice if we could at least get a member of the media, I don't know, maybe a California member of the media, to ask Joe Biden today, all right, so you're calling for these gun bans. Why? It was a handgun that was used, uh, and doesn't the fact that California already have these laws in place indicate that these laws would not stop these types of attacks? That's a fair question. That is an eminently fair question to ask Joe Biden if he's going to be using this horrific incident to push for gun control. The very first question that should come to a reporter's mind is, all right, well, how's this supposed to help? But I'll make this promise to you. If a reporter actually does ask that question of Joe Biden in, let's say, the next 48 hours, I'll eat this hat. I will eat this hat. I feel very, and it doesn't, I'm pretty sure it doesn't taste good. But I, I, I feel confident in making that promise because I know how the media operates when it comes to Joe Biden. And they're not interested. In fact, I got a piece of to Barry Arms today. I would encourage you to check it out. Uh, taking apart a, a supposed fact check uh, of a uh, NRA ad going after Biden's Second Amendment record. And the media is running cover for Joe Biden right now. Well, he's not going to take away your Second Amendment rights. He says he supports the Second Amendment. Fact. Yeah, he, he says he supports the Second Amendment. How does he define the Second Amendment exactly? I mean, his campaign website says it's limited, but it doesn't get more specific than that. Sportsmen and Sportswomen for Biden, which is a uh, new AstroTurf group that popped up in the past couple of weeks, uh, talks about how Joe Biden will protect your Second Amendment right of hunting and sporting. No mention of self-defense. And again, the f- these, these so-called fact-checkers here are, are more interested in running cover for Joe Biden than providing voters with facts. So it's up to us to get the truth out there over the next 50 days. All right, let's get to today's Armed Citizen story. Our good deed of the day, our recidivist report as well. We will start there. Houston, Texas. Uh, there's the headline. Closer looking at the lengthy criminal history of man attacking two women at a park. 26-year-old Jeremiah Williams charged with sexual assault, attempted sexual assault, as well as evading police. Uh, as of uh, the weekend, he remains in jail, is bond at $145,000. Uh, but according to KPRC in Houston, Williams has a lengthy criminal history, which includes felony convictions in both 2019 and 2020. Yeah, he's already convicted of a felony 
earlier this year. Both, they say, stem from uh, thefts. In the 2019 court proceedings, Williams received a six-month sentence but was released after 202 days already served. So basically, he got a six-month sentence but was released you know, based on the time that he spent in, in jail awaiting trial. In the court proceedings from earlier this year, Williams got a four-month sentence but again was released on time served after doing 131 days awaiting trial. As the KPRC reports, had Williams received more severe punishment with four other felony convictions in his past, he would not have been in a position to commit the alleged rape and alleged attempted rape at the park in Northwest Harris County this week. So uh, argues former investigative reporter Wayne Dulcifino, who said he admits that he has an axe to grind with Harris County District Attorney Kim Ogg, who once employed his services, but who now, uh, but who he now labels as soft on crime. Dulcefino said, quote, how many times does a guy have to say I'm a criminal before the idiots downtown say, you know, let's get this guy off the street? It's a great question. The uh, Harris County DA's office released a uh, statement saying, quote, the victims in this attack have our deepest sympathies. The defendant has a history of mental health, substance abuse, and charges for a string of petty thefts. He is now being prosecuted for the first time for two violent felonies and faces up to 20 years if convicted of those charges. The investigation continues. Hmm. So basically said, well, I mean, look, the guy, you know, only... Okay, here's, here's the deal. If you're telling me that the six felony convictions to this 26-year-old's name are not serious crimes, then why were they felonies? Why were they felony charges? If these weren't serious crimes, why weren't they prosecuted as misdemeanors? They were serious enough to be felony sentences. Unfortunately, the criminal justice system did not take Mr. Williams seriously enough to ensure that he actually did the time that he could have been sentenced to. Instead, time after time, he gets a plea deal, he gets a slap on the wrist, he gets put back out on the street, and he commits another crime. If the issue is, well, you know, listen, he's got some mental issues, and okay, then deal with those. But there's no indication that either the mental health system or the criminal justice system did that. Instead, it's a catch and release system with a series of escalating crimes. And yeah, these may be the first two violent crimes that Mr. Williams is accused of. Pretty freaking violent crimes he's now accused of, wouldn't you say? And a very dismissive attitude, again, on the part of the uh, Harris County District Attorney's Office. All right, our uh, armed citizen story of the day, Billings, Montana, where a pizza delivery driver shot an alleged robber. This from the uh, Missoulian newspaper in uh, Billings, Montana. It was about uh, 8.30 Friday night when police responded to the uh, shooting in the 300 block of uh, South 28th Street. According to authorities, uh, the pizza delivery guy was attempting to deliver pizzas when he claims that he was robbed. While in the process of being robbed in self-defense, he's claiming he fired a weapon striking the suspect. That's what uh, Billings Police Sergeant Clyde Reed had to say. Uh, Reed says the suspect was struck in the abdomen and then ran into a nearby alleyway when officers uh, approached him. He was apprehended. The delivery man remained under questioning by police. The uh, suspect transported to a local hospital. Uh, Reed said no arrests have been made. Detectives uh, still continue the investigation. He said, right now we're trying to contact people in the area to find out what they've seen, trying to prove or disprove what they've been told. There has been a 44% increase in robberies in Billings, Montana, 
between March and July of this year compared to the same time in 2019. Um, that is not uncommon. We've seen a similar rise in violent crime in many cities around the country. But it is a another reminder that, um, you know, if you're out on the street and your job entails walking up to people's homes in the uh, darkness, uh, it is a good idea for you to be able to protect yourself. And I'm glad that uh, this delivery driver is okay. We will hopefully have more details for you on a uh, future edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Finally, our good deed of the day from the Peoria, Arizona Police Department. Take a look at this tweet. While patrolling neighborhoods during the overnight hours, Peoria Police Officer Montez, a military veteran, noticed an American flag damaged from the wind. A resident posted a video to thank Officer Montez for taking care of it. Just a simple little thing. You're right. I mean, not 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 a uh, a huge story. Probably not going to, uh, I mean, not an act of, of saving a life, but, you know, saving a flag is still good. Uh, Officer Montez noticed this flag being uh, uh, damaged in the wind there in Peoria, so she rolled up the flag, put it in a safe place where the owner would find it, and uh, that flag's owner, David, then uh, posted that uh, that video. He said, I don't know who she was, but a Peoria PD officer on watch came to my house at 3.23 this morning. I have her on ring video. My American flag had apparently separated from its mount in the wind last night. She was vigilant and noticed, and she was gracious enough to roll it up and leave it by my garage door. If she's reading this, thank you and much respect. So in the right place. At the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Officer Montez there in Peoria, Arizona, we thank you for your very good deed. All right, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Thank you for being a part of the program today, as always. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. In the meantime, don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss a program. Also, Bearing Arms Cam and Company on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Wherever you get your uh, podcast, that's where you'll find us as well. In the meantime, until we talk again, be well, be safe, be free, and we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. <laughs>